everyone. Welcome to Saturday Sangha. Welcome to Saturday Sangha. On Saturday, February 5th, 2022. Can you imagine? It's 2022 now. And not only that, it is... The first day of spring, even if it doesn't look like it. <laughs> uh, here in Poland, it doesn't look like it, but according to the moon calendar, today is Vasant Panchami. And so we can imagine that we are in Sri Mayapur or Sri Vrindavan Dham. And we are seeing all the deities dressed up in so many yellow dresses and yellow flowers. Um, so, in this way. And speaking of weather, um, we're hoping for the best. And please don't be surprised if I'm suddenly cut off. Um, from the connection, because it happens here, especially when there's a bit of a storm. And just now we're getting a bit of a storm. Uh, so hope for the best. Um, Prabhupada used to say, hope for the best and expect the worst. <laughs> That's some kind of interesting uh, description of Hope and real reality checking. Okay. Om Jnana Timarandasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Nama Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupa Karamahyam Dadatisva padantikam. Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghunatang Vitang Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sabadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shiradha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Shimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namah Hey, 
Krishna Sindhudina Bando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kantaradha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vatsari Gora Bhakta Vinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Again, welcome everyone to Saturday Sangha, which we've been having almost every Saturday now since well over one year, close to two years now it starts to become. And uh, in this way, we can come together at least in this electronic way, and share Krishna Kata, Hari Kata, Vaishnava Kata, um, all things, all things Krishna. And uh, today we're going to sing Srila Bhaktivinoda's song. And I think this time I'm really going to just go through the translation and then sing the song because we have uh, quite a bit happening today, I would say. Uh, in particular, we will be having a surprise guest, assuming that our surprise guest will appear, will come as scheduled. And we also have some devotees wanting to share various things. And um, we, also, we also want to remember... Yes, before everything else, let us all wish... Sutapa Devi, a happy birthday, which came yesterday. <laughs> the day before Vasant Panchami. That's, that's um, I would say, auspicious. Um, Sugopi, I mean to say, do you want to say something? Looks like you're in your car right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, happy birthday, Sugopi. Hari Hari Bo. 
<laughs> and many, many more. Uh, we can only offer um, virtual cakes. But um, all best wishes on your birthday. Yes, and... Um, what else did I want to say before we get started on our song? I think that's all for now. Yeah, let's go to... Let's go to Srila Bhaktivinodakur Kalyana Kalpataru. Mm. It's a longer song. Um, it's in pi art meter. That's um, this uh, different. There's Tripadi, which is most the other songs we've done, and this is pi art meter. Mm. And it has 13 verses. First verse says, in translation, the human form of life is the rarest opportunity for attaining spiritual perfection. But now I am lamenting because I've somehow or other been born with such an opportunity and wasted it by never worshipping Lord Krishna. Oh, to whom shall I tell the tale of this misery? Okay, now he's going to tell his sad story. Having married and entered into the entanglements of materialistic family life, I pass my time in vain. I never got any tangible gain or permanent benefit, only trouble and botheration. What kind of world is this anyway? It seems to be just like a magic lantern show that I saw at a carnival, wherein so many shadows and optical illusions dance magically before my eyes. I feel great attachment and identification with such a world. And thus day after day pass by fruitlessly without any purpose whatsoever. Number four, when this body drops dead on the ground, then what will remain mine? At that moment, all of my sons and dearest loved ones will not be able to give me any happiness. I work hard, just like an ass, every day. And now I am wondering, for whom am I working so hard? I'm still surrounded by so many illusions. I waste every day in useless, insignificant work and I waste every night controlled by sleep. And in every 24 hours, I never for one second consider that cruel death is sitting very close by my side. 
I live a very carefree lifestyle, sometimes eating a lot or eating a little if I feel like it. Sometimes I see nice things around town, or sometimes I do not go out at all. Sometimes I wear opulent clothing, or if I'm in the mood, I'll wear something simple. I live so carefree that I never consider that one day I will have to give up this body. My poor heart is plagued by constant anxieties about the maintenance and daily turmoil created by my body, my house, my wife, my family members, and my social obligations. All these anxieties are pinching me and destroying all my intelligence. Alas, alas, what a remorseful situation has arisen. I am absorbed in all this trouble, but I never consider that all these things are temporary and subject to perish very soon. After I'm dead and gone, where will all of my material opulences remain? When my body will be thrown in the pit at the cremation grounds, it will simply lie there motionless, motionlessly. Then many crows, vultures, ants, and worms will come and playfully sport there. <laughs> All the stray dogs and jackals will then become very much delighted and in great ecstasy they will make a festival ground out of my body and will have a huge celebration and feast. Just see, this is the ultimate destination of this material body. And the most amazing thing is, that all of my material opulences, house, family, and friends have exactly the same destination. Therefore, I ask of anyone who has any sharp intelligence, please give up all of these temporary illusions presented by Maya and kindly search after the means to get pure devotion to Lord Krishna, for this is the only really tangible, eternal truth. Hmm. That last line, Atta Eva, therefore, Maya Moha Chadi, which is Chadiya, giving up this Maya Moha. Buddhiman, O oh you who have some intelligence, Nitya Tattva, Krishna Bhakti, Karuna Sandhan, pursue, uh, search after mm, the means to get pure devotion, Krishna Bhakti. Nitya Tattva, Krishna Bhakti, Karuna Sandhan. Okay, so let's see if we can sing this now.
has new surprises every day. Okay. Dulabha <clears throat> Tishana Vajinu Tek Dukka Kahibo Kahare Durlava Manava Janma Labiya Sangsare Tishana Vajinu Dukka Kahibo Kahare Sangsar Sangsar Kore Niche gelo ka Lavama Lavana koilo kichu Gatilo janja Shongsar songsar kore Niche gelo ka Lavana koilo kichu Gatilo janja Kisser shangsar e chaya bachi prai Ihate mamata kori pritadin ajai Kisser shangsar e chaya baje prai Ihate mamata kori pritadin ajai E de hopatan holi kirobe amar ke hosuka nahi dibe putra pariva E de hopatan holi ki holi ki na E de hopatan ho Eki rope ama Ke hosuka nahi diva Putra pariva Gardaver mata ami Koriya parisha Karlagi atto kori Naguchi lora Gardaver Mata ami kori parishram Karalagi eto kori nagibuchilo bram Nina chai micha kaje nishanidra bhase Nahibavi marana nikat nikate ache bose Dina jai micha kaje 
নিঃসানিদ্রা বসে নাহি বাবি মারানি খাতে আছে বসে ভালো মান্দা খায় হেরি ফারি চিন্তাহি ভালো মান্দা খায় হেরি ফারি ভালো মান্দ খাই হেরি ফারি চিন্তাহি বাবি এ দেহ চাদি ভালো মান্দা খাই হেরি ফারি চিন্তাহি নাহি বাবি এ দেহ চাদি ভি দেহ গে খালাধি চিন্তা আবিরাত জগিছে হৃদয়ে মর বুধি খরি হাত দেহ গেহ খালাধ্রাদি চিন্তা আবিরাত জগিছে হৃদয়ে মর বুধি খরি হাত হাই হাই নাহি ভাবি আনিচা এসা জীবন বিগাঠে কোথা রহিবে ভাই হাই হাই নাহি ভাবি আনিচা এসা জীবনি খাতে কোথা রহিবে ভাই শ্মশানে শরীর মামা ভরিয়াম রহিবে বিহঙ্গা ফটঙ্গা থাই বিহার খরিবে খুখুর শৃগাল সব আনন্দিত হে মহোৎসব করিবে আমার দেহ লুখুর শৃগাল সব আনন্দিত হে মহোৎসব করিবে আমার দেহ লে দেহে এ গাঁথি ধার অনুগত সংসার ভাই আর বন্ধু জন্ম জাত যে দেহে এ গতি ধার অনুগত সংসার ভাই আর বন্ধু জন্ম জাত চারি বুড়িমান নিত্যটাত্ম কৃষ্ণ ভক্তি করুণ অতএব মায়ামোহ চারি বুড়িমান নিত্যটাত্ম কৃষ্ণ ভক্তি করুণ হরে কৃষ্ণ হরে কৃষ্ণ Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Krishna Krishna 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 Hare Hare Krish
हरे रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे राम हरे भो हरे भो हरे भो गौर हरे भो निजय गौर हरे भो हरे भो हरे भो I'm reminded uh, from this song something we just read um, in mm, my godbrother Yogeshwar Prabhu's book about Srila Prabhupada um, called Swami in a Strange Land. He's telling how in San Francisco one day in 1967 or 68, it must have been 68, um, <clears throat> Prabhupada advised the devotees that the brahmacharis that they should go get jobs they should practice karma yoga and they should give something to the temple because they had this temple and uh, they were not covering all the costs that were coming which were increasing because more people were coming and they were taking prasadam. It was, the Hare Krishna temple was popular. This was, um, this was the hippie days and this was Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco, the hub of the, the movement. So free food was popular <laughs> and it tasted good and it was vegetarian. So there were increasing expenses. So Prabhupada said, go get jobs. And so he mentions in his book, Yogeshwar Prabhu, that Tamal Krishna Goswami got a job uh, working in a film laboratory, Kodak film, processing film in a dark room. And... He was making, after taxes, uh, less than $50 per week. And then um, Vishnajan, how was he making money? He was, he was being more of a Vaisha. He was making uh, bamboo flutes. He would, he would make them uh, himself uh, and sell them on the street. And this was the hippie time. Everybody wanted to 
have a flute and play like they are Krishna or something, <laughs> you know. And so he was making money that way. But no one was really making very much money, and it was clear after some time this was also not going to cover the expenses. So then Srila Prabhupada said, all right, forget about these jobs. <laughs> we'll just depend on Krishna. And Yogeshwar explains uh, he was sort of, without maybe using the terminology, he was telling them, okay, forget about bhakti, forget about uh, karma yoga. Now we're going to practice bhakti yoga. So you just, uh, you can go out and do sankirtan on the streets. So that's what they did. Uh, and he describes they went out, about 12 devotees, into central San Francisco, um, Market and Powell Streets. That's a major intersection. And they just started singing, and very soon a crowd was cr crowding around. This was something completely new, and these young people were all dressed in strange clothes. And uh, I don't know if they had shaved heads yet, but they were singing away. And Tamal Krishnamaraj had brought with him a conch shell, for blowing. So now and then, as the kirtan was going, he would blow the conch, just to add to the spirit of Sankirtan. And then he got an idea, and apparently it just occurred to him at that time, to approach the people in the crowd with the conch uh, and to invite them to give donations. And the people responded. They were putting quarters, which is 25 cents, um, a quarter of a dollar. They were putting in the conch shell. And they had Back to Godhead magazines. He would give them a, a Back to Godhead magazine if they gave a donation. And by the end of, the, of that day, um, they had collected... $12. <laughs> well, a few days later, it had increased up to $40. And so in this way, they, the Sankirtan movement really started in the West as, um, as a preaching mission and as a way to maintain the devotees, maintain the temple. So anyway, I was thinking of that because Bhaktivinotak, who is speaking about uh, what is the use of this working hard? Mm. What, is, what is the result? So Prabhupada was also thinking, what is the use of having the devotees work like this? Mm. Let them just go out on Sankirtan. So that's what they did. And... As we say, the rest is history. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see now. <laughs> 
Okay, we don't have all day today because we have our guest uh, starting in less than half an hour. But, um, okay, dear Lalita, you wanted to explain about, from your reading on our so-called homework? Yes, very much. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. My God family, good Lord. Um, I will be very short. Um, I was thinking to share uh, first uh, uh, how I struggled how I'm struggling first. Uh, first to find an act of devotion, Ashla Prabhupada talking about Anabilashita uh, Shunyan verse, that was a homework verse, and because that verse, I didn't find it quoted there. Yeah, it's interesting because it's <laughs> it's like the, one could argue it's the most important book, important verse in the whole book, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, but Prabhupada, I think, paraphrases it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I was lucky that uh, 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 Jay Lakshman, uh, uh, my husband, by reading that book many times, he he actually put the verses with a pencil next to Srila Prabhupada's explanation mm-hmm. in, in introduction. But this particular verse, Anabhash Tashunyam, hasn't been marked. Oh. But the, <laughs> but the verse, verse after... 1112 hmm. was marked and I was thinking well logically it should be before that one so that's how I found the verse it was the first struggle <laughs> so um, a second struggle was um, that um, I was reading the verse and I was thinking how am I ever going to understand anything from the verse who, which, which was written by very exalted you know, Srila Rupa Goswami, and then explained by Srila Prabhupada. And um, and then uh, at first I couldn't, uh, I couldn't ponder into the verse deeper, I suppose because of all, all of my layers <laughs> that are covering that something cute that's very, very behind somewhere in the heart, which is so. So I, um, I went online and I found some... Um, <laughs> Uh, in the archives of uh, Srila Jiva Goswami um, talking about the verse. That was my first step. And I, I've, I've discovered that Srila Jiva Goswami said that this verse has like two parts of the verse, uh, of the definition of the verse. One is he's calling it, uh, I think it's Varupa Lakshana, mm-hmm. which is a visible, visible part of the verse. And another is the Tashta, the Tashta uh, Lakshanam, which is hidden, or he said, uh, sometimes unmanifest, mm. unmanifested. And then I realized that uh, <laughs> that hidden part I'm never, never going to get. <laughs> it's just uh, that that could be available only to those devotees who are um, spiritually qualified, who are actually renounced. And and then I started reading Srila Prabhupada's uh, explanation of uh, Anabalashtra Shunyam, which is explained in the, in the introduction. Um, and it was interesting that Anabalashtra Shunyam is a definition of Uttama Bhakti, the purest, the highest Bhakti. 
Mm-hmm. But in acting devotion, Srila Prabhupada was um, referring that verse, explaining a pure devotee of Krishna. Uh, not directly talking about Uttama Bhakti, but he was talking about uh, a pure devotee, pure devotee. So he was connecting the two, the definition of the pure mm. Uttama Bhakti and a pure devotee. Mm. That was a little difference that I could I could spot mm. in the verse, and uh, and another thing is that very much you were talking about when you gave class on um, an act of instruction. Um, I also saw Yama Niyama, which explained that it's restraint and observance within this verse on the Balashita mm. which. Which obviously restraint is. I wrote these words, which are which are <laughs> pretty much like restraint. It means um, what one must do and what one mustn't do. Mm-hmm. So what one must do is is the is the service for to Krishna, and um, which is favorable, mm-hmm. uh, favorable and. And then uh, in relation to Krishna. And another two are must be free from. Means must be free from any 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 desire of philosophical philosophical speculation, any desire that's not connected with Krishna. Mm-hmm. And that and that for me, uh, all, all, all these words, any except must <laughs> uh. are the words that that um, uh, shows to me personally um, that I have a long way to go <laughs> <laughs> long way to go um, <clears throat> that's one thing this, so, so it means that uh, Shri Prabhupada in this context talks about a pure devotee uh, Connecting the Anandalashi to Shunya, which is a definition of pure highest Uttama Bhakti. And he was also mentioning one thing in there, which is Jnana Karmadi, which he says that, practice speaking, he talks about Karmadi as a fruitive activities. So I would connect this also with the Shapalpur's. Saying in negative of instruction in verse six, where he connects in another context this anabilashita shunya, he mentions it into um, explaining about the activities of cultivating bhakti. So I got a little bit confused. So anabilashita shunya verse says that one should do favorable service for Krishna without any material desires. But then Srila Prabhupada in this purpose say, is saying that um, Uttama Bhakti means that, uh, that Bhakti is connected to activities, or cultivating Bhakti, getting there, getting to that Uttama Bhakti. Uh, so, um, so I was a little bit confused about does the verse Anibalashita Shunyam uh, gives also the um, is, is an intention to 
help us cultivate uh, a bhakti. And then Srila Prabhupada also mentions the nine process of devotional service. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or should one actually be on that platform of, of uh, Uttama Bhakti? <laughs> yeah. On that highest platform. Well, it's it's both. Bhakti is bhakti is the way, and bhakti is the goal. And um, the way is is pure devotion when it's on track uh, to get to the goal of pure devotion. In other words, one can be, you know, taking different margas to go to this or that designation. Uh, to this or that destination, uh, but if we are on the on the path of pure devotion, we may not be at the goal yet, but we're on the path, and that is also pure devotion. Oh, oh, thank you so much. For and that that's <laughs> that's why Prabhupada, at least one time, but probably more times, said, all of my disciples are pure devotees. <laughs> he didn't mean we've reached the goal. He meant we're on track to reaching the goal. Yeah. So I would explain it that way. Nice. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, so again, I had uh, given a list of places where Prabhupada quotes that verse in uh, purports in Chaitanya Charitamrita to look at different contexts of it um, because this is one way that we, one way, one way that we practice um, deeper un- or come to deeper understanding of of a verse or a statement uh, is to look at how it's used, where's the, what context it's being used in. Um, but it's good you pointed out it, it is from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Prabhupada discusses it in uh, his introduction to his Nectar of Devotion. There is, by the way, the book of His Holiness Dhanadhar Swami. Maharaj, uh, Waves of Devotion, which is a very good, um, you can say, companion volume to reading the Nectar of Devotion, because that's precisely how and why he wrote it, is to identify, um, to connect explicitly the Nectar of Devotion to the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, um, because Prabhupada was not so concerned about uh, showing that connection explicitly. So he goes through and shows, okay, this is Nectar of Devotion, this is chapter 5, and this is explaining such and such of the first wave, um, and so on. So that it can be quite useful that way. Plus, he has very useful uh, diagrams analyzing uh, or showing relationships. of, And he has also 
um, terminology, the Sanskrit terminology for rasa, uh, shastra, much of it is, or from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he has as appendices in the book. Right. Okay. So, and uh, let me see. Uh, yes. Savit Savitri Shama, you are there. Is your husband also there? And if so, would he like to tell a little about what he is doing? Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Yeah, um, no, no, I'm very sorry. Um, uh, Kavi, Kavi is a little bit sick at the moment. He oh. is in the next room resting. Okay. No, we won't bother him then. All right. Yeah. But I will definitely let you know if we if we are ready to. If and when. Let's, let's say when instead of if. It sounds um, much more positive. Yeah, it's true. I mean, at the moment, uh, he spontaneously booked the flight to to South Africa to visit his parents That's because right. we we had COVID and we we are healed on one side. At the other side, they limited the the length of uh, the status that that we are being healed from six months to three months. So actually, we wanted to go in April all together. And now uh, our status is only is running out at the end of February, and he spontaneously booked the flight now for the next um, yeah till the end of uh, February. And when he's when he's back in March, then okay. then we can probably um, yes, okay, <laughs> that's fine. We can probably come together. That's fine. I guess. Okay, that's good. Um, speaking of sort of coming and going, also before I forget, um, I should mention that, I think it's the 19th, let me check. Um, yes, in two weeks, the 19th, I will not be able to have Saturday Sangha. Why not? Because there's going to be, instead... There's going to be sannyas sangha, and I'm sorry, but um, this is not open to all the devotees. It's just for the sannyasis. And sorry, it's not sannyas. What am I saying? That's another sangha. Uh, this is guru sangha. <laughs> yeah, iskan guru sangha. Something they've. Um, started organizing. We had one last year, several months ago. And uh, they're having another one at just the same time when we would normally have our Saturday Sangha. So, just to let you know, that's on the 19th. Yeah, Sanya Sangha, that's another thing I have on the 17th. That's uh, with the um, sannyas candidates, there's a program that goes for several days, and I've been asked to uh, give a presentation on the 17th for them. Mm. 
excuse me, and while we're talking about dates, what is it, Monday is going to be Advaita Charya's appearance day? And uh, what am I doing on Sunday? Oh. Okay. Yeah, Advaita Charya, and then next week we have Nityananda Prabhu's appearance. And, uh, oh, okay, that's enough calendar stuff for now. I believe that's enough. Okay. So then, what else was I going to say? Mm. Just that... Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say because we've been now and then uh, introducing bits and pieces on the subject of hermeneutics. And uh, I want to share with you, whoops, there it is, what um, Param Dhammananda shared with me. It's a link of a presentation by, hold on, by, um, by Radhika Raman Prabhu on hermeneutics. And uh, I think you'll find it very helpful. There, I just sent a link on the chat. If you want to copy and save it and watch it later, uh, his is the first part of a longer session of this um, ISKCON communications event. And uh, yeah, he is always a very, um, very nice presenter, very clear, very inspiring. In case, especially in case you've started feeling, especially from last year, I was sort of rushing through, didn't quite finish, but I was trying to present something of our uh, course, my particular mm, lesson. Um, but without the whole context, it wasn't, I realized, making a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Apologies for that. But what you'll see with Radhikaraman is he makes very good sense <laughs> and very clear sense. Um, but continuing on the subject of hermeneutics, um, did I mention last, last week, Daityesha, that you have completed the translation in Espanol? You're, He's nodding his head. Yeah, so that's a nice accomplishment. And uh, so I think this is gradually going to trickle out and about uh, the ISKCON world, and I think it's going to help develop a nice, a more thoughtful culture of understanding Shastra and applying Shastra. 
one of the principles which Radhi Gurman speaks about in his talk is uh, the principle of understanding the part through the whole and understanding the whole through the part. And this is uh, principle number six in our collection of 24 principles. And it goes like this. Scriptures are consistent and coherent, enabling meaningful dialogue between part and whole. And the beginning of the explanation is a quote from Vedanta Sutra 114. And the sutra goes like this. Tattu samanvayat. And the translation that's given is a bit more than what's directly in the verse or the sutra, but it says, Lord Krishna is the conclusion because of the agreement of the totality of all scriptural statements. Um, how does that come out of such a short sutra, Tattu Samanvayat? That would take longer explanation. <laughs> but the key word is Samanvayat, uh, which means something like cohesion. Mm, bringing together cohesion. Uh, and it has this long A-T ending, which means ablative, which means because, because of this. Uh, so it's kind of saying that is the, but, but that is the case because of coherence, cohesion of meaning of all, all the Shastras. Right. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time before our guest comes, so I'm going to beg your forgiveness to disappear for a minute and a half, during which time you can jump up and down, whatever you like. <laughs> Okay, so now um, 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 Odarya Chandrika, you are there, I think, somewhere. Yes, I'm here, Guru Maharaj. Yeah, yeah if you can just look, uh, sort of keep sure. eye out when our guest appears. Yeah. Okay, thank sure. you. Yeah, um, what else I wanted to do is read a translation of a nice verse I found in Prabodhananda Sarasati Thakur's Sri Vrindavan Mahimamrita, which is an extensive glorification of Sri Vrindavan. <coughs> consisting of 10 sections each uh, with uh, 
I think each one has around a hundred verses, I'm not sure. So something like a thousand verses, which is longer than the Bhagavad Gita. Um, Shataka 2, that's the second section. Uh, Text number 1. He says, I would rather reside in Vrindavan, even as an insect, than reside in any other place as a liberated soul with a blissful spiritual body. Uh, Guru Maharaj, just to let you know that our guest speaker is here. Oh, good. Okay, so let's not keep them waiting. I'll continue this another time. Uh, That sounded really nectarian, better than anything I would have to say. Oh, there you are. Hare Krishna. Shimati Urmila Devi is with us. Welcome to Vantachakalpatrubhyas Chakribhas Nubhyayvacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavyebhyo Namonama. Thank you for joining us. So so early in the morning for you. It's eight o'clock, not so bad. Okay. I have to teach nectar devotion at the VIHE at five thirty in the morning. That's early. In the morning. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's starting early. Okay. Uh, some of the devotees here will know you, and some will not. And so, I want to say a few words to introduce my god sister Ormila Devi. Uh, I might mention right away, though, that. Uh, all of this in all detail you can find out from Urmila Devi's website. She has urmiladevidasi.org um, with everything, um, so many things, interesting things <laughs> about and of and from. So, um, yeah. Ormila joined the Krishna Consciousness Movement in 1973. Was it in Chicago? Yes. In Chicago, um, in the Windy City. And uh, she has been practicing very energetically, I would say, Krishna Consciousness ever since, uh, nonstop. Uh, energetically also in so many different fields of endeavor. Most centrally, perhaps we can say education, in which she has a doctoral degree uh, from her research on um, teacher satisfaction. Is that right? Yeah, teacher satisfaction in Gurukul teaching. Hare Krishna schools, schools associated with the Hare Krishna movement. Yes, Uh, which she has been teaching in also for decades. Uh, She's also been writing about um, teaching children. Uh, Her book, um, Vaikuntha Children. When did you when did you write Vaikuntha Children? That was in the Kind of think when that was done. I guess it was finished in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Is that book available? 
It's available as a PDF on my website. Okay. So Vaikunta Children uh, is but one of several books which she has written or has been involved in writing, and um, including, what is it, 83 children's books for learning language? Yes. 80, not, you know, not one, not two, not five, not ten, but 83 <laughs> books uh, for children to learn language, and they are made in such a way that they are fun to read, not like when I was a kid, a small kid, learning to read, actually we started in kindergarten, but it was, you know, run, Jane, run, um, jump, Jane, jump. <laughs> you also went through that, I think. <laughs> yes. It was like, who cares about Jane? <laughs> Whether she Right, or they have books now. You know, Nan can fan the tan van. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so she's been um, showing an alternative way, a positive alternative for learning, uh, learning reading. Um, and speaking of books, that'll be a subject I want to hear something about um, a bit later is uh, the book, book that she is now completing together with uh, a colleague on, we don't like to use the word Varna, do we? So we say the title of the book is uh, Career Dharma. Is that right? This, the subtitle? The Natural Art of Work. The Natural Art of Work. Um, so we'll hear something about that. Uh, Urmila Devi is also our chairperson of the Shastra Advisory Council, uh, which is which works um, which serves the GBC when the GBC has a question uh, that troubles them and about which they want some clarity regarding Shastra, they turn to the Shastra Advisory Council for counsel. <laughs> and the Shastra Advisory Council then uh, huddles, sometimes uh, for a matter of weeks or months or even years, to come up with statements or positions or understandings or clarifications. Uh, this is a huge task, and um, yeah, I'm always amazed that Ormila Devi keeps keeps uh, keeps us going as she does. And the the uh, very special accomplishment of the Shastra Advisory Council of recent recent months and years has been this preparation of a course in. Um, Vaishnav hermeneutics, and that's something also we want to hear something about from Urmila Devi. But before that, uh, can you tell us? Oh, and there's one more I find quite striking 
uh, thing, if I may mention, about Ormila Devi. She is not only a mother, she's also a grandmother, and she's also a great-grandmother. Um, that means uh, there are four generations, right? And, uh, and they're all Hare Krishnas, right? <laughs> so somebody's giving the example, I would say. <laughs> and that's very, very valuable. Um, is, did Prabhupada say, or did, where did I hear it, that if one lives long enough to see the grandchildren of one's grandchildren, that is a full life. Prabhupada said that. He said that. I think he said it's a Bengali saying. Yeah. So I think you're on track for that. <laughs> How old are your great the, your great grandchildren? Uh, just one of the youngest one just turned two, and the older one will be four in a month. So yeah. I'll have to live in at least another twenty years for them to have kids. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Uh, can you tell us a little something, how you first met devotees? Oh, that's difficult because I'd have to define the word meet. Oh. Now, on my other website, ramiladasi.com, I have, I think it's like a 3,000 word essay on uh -huh. how I came to Krishna consciousness. Uh, my first contact would have been when I was 12. And I was visiting my uh, older sister on the Lower East Side of New York. So when I was born, my sisters were 16 and 18 years old. And there was a store called the Krishna Store that was run by Alan Coleman, who had produced uh, the Happening album. Hmm. So I used to just wander around the Lower East Side on my own when I'd visit my sister and her family. And I would go into that shop and I would hear... Shiva Prabhupada chanting Hare Krishna on his because he was playing the record album. So I th I think that would have to count as my first meeting. What, I would, I, what probably like once or twice a week. What year would that have been? That would be 1967. Uh, that's going back a ways. <laughs> Just a little bit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um Little did you know at the time, I suppose, where you where you are now. I wanted to also mention um, that's true and not true. Okay, because uh, one of my earliest memories is when I was four years old. I mean, about as old as my older great grandson is now, and I was talking to my mother. I said, uh, why are we Jewish? She said, because my mother is Jewish. I said, why is she Jewish? She said, because her mother is Jewish. You know, little kids. So why is she Jewish? Because her mother is Jewish. And I said, that's not good. I said, that's not good. We, we should do things because they're true. And I said, I'm, I'm going to find God because it's true. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember being very set that I... Uh, I didn't want a career. Actually, didn't want a family at all. Uh, that I just wanted to find God. So that was at age four. Um, at age, yeah, that not, was a continued. That was a continued thing. So, in many ways, having the life that I have now was something I did want as long as I can remember. Anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't have that kind of specificity, 
at that age. You know, my interest in Eastern things and Indian things started when I was eight. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly I didn't know when I went into Alan Coleman's store that there was a Hare Krishna movement. Mm. I didn't I didn't understand that. I I just liked listening to the chanting. I I had no idea that there was some sort of process or movement that I was coming in contact with. <laughs> and uh, how old were you when you, shall we say, joined uh, the the temple in well, I'm Chicago. still kind of waiting. I'm still kind of waiting to join the Hare Krishna movement. I'm uh, hoping I get to do that at some point. But at least yeah. externally, <laughs> um, I stayed in the Evanston Temple in a clandestine way when I was 17 oh. uh, for a couple weeks, and then I moved in the ashram and you know officially joined the International Society for Krishna Consciousness on June 17, 1973. Okay. <laughs> so soon after my 18th birthday, that was the day that Kishore Kishore deities were installed at the temple. Oh, well, that's something. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention also, I mentioned your writing, but I didn't say that you've also written any number of articles for BTG, Back to Godhead magazine. And I want to mention that because something I try to encourage devotees to do is to write. Uh, So that could be a subject in itself. Um, Mm. But uh, let's see, maybe some some of that can come up in course of time or at another time. Um, I just want to encourage devotees, yes, you can write and you can write for Krishna, you can, um, there's so many ways that you can write. One thing you may like to know uh, that we did some weeks ago, we did this um, during, oh, it's already months ago. Uh, yeah. uh, it was during Damodar month, Kartik month. I encourage devotees to write um, in ekphrasis style. Not style, but ekphrasis is uh, is responding to a picture, an image. And it can be a, a painting or it can also be a, a sculpture or generally anything visual. And then sort of writing about that or addressing it, you know, ode to a Grecian urn is, <laughs> that's ekphrasis. Uh, so devotees chose different pictures of baby Krishna stealing yogurt and so on, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, so now, if you don't mind, could you... I've been um, introducing the devotees gradually over some weeks in a quite unsystematic way to our hermeneutics. Uh, I've... They know about the whole what it's about. They know, you know, something of why why it's important. I hope uh, they know something about the process that we go through. Uh, that we are concerned with qualities and principles and tools. But maybe you could say something about uh, the evolution of this whole project, how it developed. 
All right. Well, I think before I do that, I'd like to mention that uh, if they'd like, if someone, maybe Dharma Gupta or somebody would like to arrange to host a hermeneutics course, mm-hmm. uh, basically, the difficulty is that the Sastric Advisory Council doesn't really have the facility or interest to be a host. So a host means that somebody advertises the course, uh, collects money if it's going to be a if people are going to give money up front, provides the Zoom platform, uh, manages a waiting room, manages the breakout rooms, you know, manages the registration, that kind of thing. And that's that's something that we don't, we have two SAC secretaries, but neither of them want to do that. And I certainly don't want to do that. So, but we can, you know, we provide all the materials and we'll teach the course. So it's an eight lesson course, about two hours each. That requires 15 minutes to two hours of preparatory work for each class. And, you know, we're, we're definitely wanting to have some European-based host, probably more than one. So if, if that's possible, if somebody is willing to, to do that kind of thing, uh, we'd very much like to teach it again. And our hope is that as we teach it, people who take it will become teachers, <laughs> And mm-hmm. teach it. So that's already happened now in Gainesville, Florida, that one devotee who's taken the course twice has mm-hmm. started teaching the course there mm-hmm. in person. And, and that way we'll expand beyond our SAC teachers. Uh, the, the evolution of it is, well, some of it is a little politically delicate. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to speak a little bit obtusely. And if you know, you know, and if you don't know, you don't know, and I won't answer your questions about it if you don't know. So we had uh, we had some uh, very influential persons in our Hare Krishna movement who were over a period of time making a lot of very public statements about, especially about some of Srila Prabhupada's uh, statements in writing or in speaking that are controversial or difficult to understand or difficult to apply or presented some sort of difficulty in our preaching work. And these influential people were explaining these statements and explaining about Srila Prabhupada's position in ways that were just as controversial and difficult as the statements themselves. We had... Uh, and people on different ends of the spectrum. These influential people were more than one, and they were at different ends of the spectrum from different points of view. So it became a, a problem <laughs> that what what you do. So the GBC can, uh, convened a committee, and I don't know who decided to call it hermeneutics, which is a Greek word mostly used as far as how do you explain statements in the Bible. But they decided to call it hermeneutics, and there's also been some discussion about what in the world we could call it. Hmm. So that committee met, I believe, for about three years. It was Rudhainanda Marj, Bhaktivedakaswami, Radhika Raman, Judakarma Prabhu, uh, Badri Narayan, who's now Swami, and Rajbihari Prabhu as the facilitator. Uh, Radhika Raman Prabhu wrote about 20 questions as the basis for their work. 
and they worked on answering those questions. After three years, they were not able to come up with answers to those questions to which all of the committee members agreed. One of the committee members said, I'm not doing this anymore. And that was the end of that. Uh, they had come up with three different versions of answers to these questions, uh, which was called Rev3. So then the GBC asked the Shastrick Advisory Council, would you please finish their work? Now that's always a little funny to finish somebody else's work. And <laughs> I had a, a very polite temper tantrum with the GBC executive committee. And I said, uh, again, hopefully very politely, we don't want to finish somebody else's work. But hopefully I didn't say it quite like that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, anyway, it was they were very insistent that we use the previous format and that we use the, that we just continue. So we spent about a year doing that, working from the previous work. We ended up with, I think, over 200 pages, presented it to the GBC in a three-hour meeting, which is pretty a pretty unprecedented time for a presentation to the GBC, mm -hmm. uh, if you like my uh, literary ornament there. And uh, the GBC said, we, didn't, we don't like this. And it was, <laughs> it, it, was not, it was not very well received, but we were asked to continue to work on it. And we didn't really like it either. So we had a meeting after that meeting of the, of the Shastrick Advisory Council members who were in Mayapur at that time. And we decided that we were going to completely revamp the whole approach that we had done what they asked of, of going on with that format and continuing the work. It had been a failure and we were going to start over uh, almost from scratch. Can I so interrupt we, yeah. just very briefly? Uh, of course. Because I'm, we have two, I think, three translators into different languages. And, and I should slow way and down. And I see they're just kind of looking blankly, like, uh, how are I we doing? I will slow <laughs> If you down. can slow down a little bit for them, yes. I didn't know I'm sorry, I should have mentioned. <laughs> translation. Always good to be told, and then I will ride my brake pedal. <laughs> So then we had a meeting in Milan. You, you can speak at the same speed, just have longer breaks between breaths. <laughs> oh, I, I know. That's not something I practiced to do. Okay. I have practiced on dialing down the speed. Okay. But I haven't Whatever. practiced on long breaks. Whatever works for you. I'll try to do a little of that too. But I have a speed dial. It's I think it's over here. Okay. And I just... I'll just turn a little. So then we had another unprecedented meeting in Milan, Italy. The, the Sostrick Advisory Council had never before met face to face. And we had a meeting of about 10 of us in Milan, where we spent maybe 12, I don't know how many, there were quite a few of us there. We spent 10 days in Milan. And that was where we came up with the basic structure. And now the members of the Shastrik Advisory Council are extraordinary scholars. I really don't belong there at all. I'm not sure what I'm doing there. And I actually, at one point, had a major crisis, identity crisis, as to what in the world I was doing in that company. Uh, <laughs> but among our members are people, and uh, some of them are no longer on the Shastrik Advisory Council, like Rujbasi and Hari Dave and Krishna Abhishek. 
these are people who know Sanskrit backwards and forwards. Uh, they know Bengali, like Krishnavi Sheikh is a native Bengali speaker. And some of them, like Hari Parshad, Bhasi, Sarvagya, Hari Parshad, have studied the four Vedas, all the Upanishads, yeah. you know, all these Puranas. I mean, I don't even know the names of these scriptures, and they know the content of them. Yeah. What to speak of knowing our Gaudiya scriptures and all the works of our Acharyas. I mean, they're just, uh, some of these devotees are not well known in ISKCON, but their depth of scholarship and devotion is it's it's unbelievable and so with this group we were able to come up with the traditional vedic lists of what are the traditional principles that guide explanations of the words of guru sadhu shastra and that guide explanations of uh, not only the principles that guide but then the tools which enable one to put the principles into action and the qualities one must have, the disposition, the character traits, the consciousness, the mentality, in order to apply. I'm seeing, trying to have long pauses too, and I'm even counting <laughs> when I pause. Um, yeah. the, the qualities that allow one to put these principles and tools into action. Now, at the same time, we realized that hermeneutics is a skill. So unlike the original form, which was simply, here's the answer. That was the original form. Yeah. Here's the answer. Boom. Instead of that, and you just had to digest this 250, 300-page document of what are the answers, that hermeneutics is a skill set. It's a disposition. It's a skill of, of a certain mental and emotional disposition. It's a skill of using principles and tools. And a culture. And a whole culture. At, at worst, it's a Brahminical culture, and at best, it's a Bhakti culture. Mm -hmm. So this could not just be a document. It needed to be a course. That was something we understood at that meeting in Mayapur Dham. So in Milan, we also engaged the very famous and accomplished course developer from the UK, Russ Mundel. Yeah. Yes. And he, uh, from the meeting in Milan and from working with us, which was a challenge for him because he was working with us when we were in the process of developing <laughs> So it was, it was a challenge for him as well. But he came up with the basic categories of what should be taught and some explorations to teach it. Then uh, it was months and months and months of long-distance work after that meeting to collect everybody's writings on different areas, to compile it, to edit it, to format it and then to work with the course. Then uh, we tested the course among our own members. In Houston. Yes, we had a meeting in Houston you, where we tested the course. You dragged me there from Beijing. I did. I did drag <laughs> you. I said, I'm going to be in Beijing. I can't come to that meeting. And you said, so what? <laughs> 
<laughs> and your so what was so insistent <laughs> that I actually started looking online for flights. And then I found a flight, and it was nonstop Beijing-Houston. And I thought, wow. and I thought, okay, I guess I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, and that was it was an intensive because we did the whole course in one weekend, mm -hmm. four lessons a day, and then we had two days to discuss it. And our materials weren't even in a final form yet. I mean, it was oh my goodness. <laughs> and and technically, we weren't supposed to do that. Technically, we weren't supposed to test the course until the GBC had approved our materials. Don't tell. But any, don't tell anyone. No, no, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> but at, at this no, point, no, I'm telling this, the other devotees. Don't tell anyone. Oh no, it's okay at this point. <laughs> Whatever. But I I was very aware from our meeting in Milan that we had we couldn't fully develop our materials unless we tested teaching them. Mm -hmm. that it was a parallel thing. And uh, then we, we presented our materials to the GBC and there was the proviso that we had to, to pilot the course among ISKCON leaders before everything could be given to the public. Uh, so we did that from the feedback from Houston uh, the, a lot of the course was tweaked and the materials had to be gotten together. I mean, it was, it was a tremendous work. And then uh, Chandrasekhar Maharaj in New York asked me about it. And he said, what's going on? And I said, somebody needs to host it. So he agreed to host it. And we had a pilot there to about 30 or 40 ISKCON leaders who gave extensive feedback from which we revised the course yet again. And it is now in its present form. And it's been taught now, I think, at least four times since then that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. Twice in English and twice in Russian. Oh, in Russian. Um, just to maybe bring this down to some level that uh, devotees might feel, how to say, a, a possible doubt about the whole thing. Someone may say, well, you know, I have my guru. Um, I just, if there's something confusing, I just ask my guru, and uh, he clarifies everything for me. So um, why do we need this? Well... One day your guru might not be physically around. It might be a good idea for you also to be able to answer questions. One day you might be a guru and somebody might be asking you. You know, it might be a good idea for you know how to answer questions. And it doesn't always work. You know, you're sitting on the Vyasa Sun giving class and someone asks you something and you just say, well, I have to ask my guru. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, part of the hermeneutical process is indeed asking senior Vaishnavas. I mean, I just had 
someone asked me a question about nectar of devotion that I couldn't answer at all. I didn't have any clue. And so I I asked Ranuswami. <laughs> You know, it's just I looked at the question and I thought, I don't even know who I could ask. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, I'll ask Vanu Swami. And he gave me an answer. So all of us ask other people. Did he give well, you we, more, more than one line answer? I think he gave me four or five lines. Wow. Okay. Because usually whatever you ask him, you get a one or two line answer. <laughs> well, let, let me just let me just see now. But uh, it was... It was really, really a good answer. And, um, okay, what did he say here? One, two, three, four, let's say, four sentences. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was asking him about the progression of intensity of rasa. Hmm. So there's a progression in the neutral rasa. There's just normal and intense. And then in the in servitude, there's um, prema, sneha, and raga. But in sakya, there's the addition of pranaya before raga. And then in madhurya, there's also other things before raga. It's a different progression. Mm-hmm. There's also mana and pranaya. And the question I was asked by one of my students is, why is the progression different for different rasas? Mm. And is there a different meaning of the word raga? And I said, I think this is completely above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) And I I have no idea. So I asked him. And he said, pranaya indicates intimacy, and in dasya, the position is one of servant, which prevents that. Therefore, there's no pranaya. Mm-hmm. It's essential to sakya, and therefore, it manifests very early, before even raga. Hmm. In vatsalya, the devotee is superior to Krishna, so intimacy is prevented, because there's no pranaya. Basically, the progression in dasya and vatsalya is the same. In Madhuryaras, you have pranaya again. And you also have mana, which is unique to Madhurya Ras. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> but, you know, I had to ask somebody. <clears throat> so asking somebody is, is, part, of the, is part of the process. Yeah. Another reason why we shouldn't just ask our guru. I mean, I'm not allowed in ISKCON to initiate devotees, but I do have shiksha disciples And they do ask me questions. And there's a limit as to how many questions one wants to get from one's students. Isn't it? You know, (laughs) you really, you know, there's a limit. You have 24 hours in a day. Tell me about it. (laughs) And and you want to, you know, you got to chant your own rounds and your own Gayatri and do your own puja and give your own classes. And, And, you know, if every one of your students is coming to you, with every one of their philosophical and scriptural questions all of the time. Uh, Plus all their other questions. Yes. Should I stay in Spain or should I move back to Mayapur time? Right. You know, and I said, just, just ask your sons that question. So, you know, plus all of those kind of questions. And then, yes, Krishna says, but 
th- there's a limit. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, <laughs> there's a letter a devotee wrote to Shiva Prabhupada that he signed. <laughs> I hope this translates well. You're eternally useless servant. So we should not remain an eternally, eternally useless, useless servant. servant. <laughs> uh, you know, to remain a fool before guru always is, is good, but we should also become competent preachers ourselves. Yes. The, the guru wants that. It's like, you know, we were talking earlier about, will my great-grandchildren grow up and have children of their own? And you want that. You want your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to become competent adults. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. Um, thank you. I think so much we could continue on the hermeneutics topic, but I think devotees would like to hear a bit about your coming book, um, Career Dharma. Okay. And I have another coming book too, by the way. Oh, you can mention that too. But I think we should also give a bit of time for questions. Someone may want to ask you something. Okay, sure. So, I can just... This is the cover. Uh Uh-huh. Whoa. Book. That uh, it's a formidable looking bull, I must say. <laughs> the bull of Dharma, I presume. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, it's the bull of Dharma. And the wheel of Dharma. The wheel of Dharma. Yeah, the bull yes. is the bull is not exactly uh, a BG Sharma style. Uh, let's see if I can, how can I get, there we go. So this is the cover. Mm-hmm. So Dharma the Bull and the Wheel of Dharma. When did you start working on this, or is it possible to identify a specific uh, time? When? I think this may, it's going to be either four or five years. Uh-huh. And um, you're expecting it to be out this summer? We, we, I'm hoping by the end of the year. Somebody has their microphone on. I think Rajadutta. Yes. And uh, it's just a, a side note, I have a, a direct question in the chat. Uh-huh. Will the hermeneutics solve controversies, for example, full or no full and inherent or inherited controversy? I say yes. Uh-huh. And then the person asks, where can I read about the solution of SAC on those issues? So this is exactly what I was talking about before. That first, what we came up with was exactly that kind of thing. You know, here's our answer. Da-da! <laughs> Yeah. And that's not the way hermeneutics is supposed to work. The way hermeneutics works is here are the dispositions. 
the principles and the tools where you can come up with an answer that is correct, that is bona fide, mm -hmm. within a boundary. You're going to have uh, many angles of vision, and you will know the boundary outside which uh, the answers are not correct. It's not that there's going to be one answer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's hard for many devotees to grasp. But hopefully the culture of hermeneutics will help devotees to appreciate that. Yes. Well, even in the hermeneutics course, even just recently, um, when we finished lesson eight, so we, we had somebody says, why don't you just save us time and just simply tell us the answers? <laughs> And I'm like, oops. Oops. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, Madhavananda Prabhu from Puri tells us that uh, the late Gorgovinda Swami Maharaj told one devotee, um, he said, you know, temple is kindergarten. And uh, it's not that we stay in kindergarten our, our whole life. <laughs> yes, exactly. So a, a real, at least, as I said, at worst, a Brahminical culture and at best, a Bhakti culture facilitates unity and diversity and facilitates seeing and understanding the words of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra from many angles of vision. Mm. At the same time, being able to define what is not an acceptable answer mm -hmm. and what is outside of, of the purview of, of our understanding as Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Mm. I wanted to also uh, show you with that book. Um, this is our, our table of contents on the Varna book. Mm -hmm. So uh, part one is about finding our own nature. First, the principle that our livelihood should be in accord with our nature. Just establishing that as a principle, that the way we maintain ourselves should be congruent with our nature. And then how to discern our nature. And we look, we look at what, what we call six kinds of wealth, the six opulences. Hmm. Uh, Shri, Aishvarya, Virya, etc. And that these are the ways to be prosperous, not just cash. And part of how we find our nature is which of these opulences are most important to us. Mm. Then we call the Varnas fields of work. So we discussed that there's four main fields of work and the qualities of those fields. Why we want to separate those fields. And I feel that these chapters, chapters five and six in part one, are some of the most important in the whole book hmm. because they really establish why there are four Varnas at all. Hmm. Why take the hundreds and thousands of careers that are possible and categorize them into four and why those four? And what is the purpose? What is the use of that? 
why not just say whatever work you're doing, do for God, you know? And we talk about the, the, how the Dharma in one field becomes a Dharma in another field. Mm. And we look at specific examples of every possible combination of fields, you know, a Brahmana working as a Shudra, a Brahmana working as a Kshatriya, a Brahmana working as a Vaisha, a Vaisha working as a Brahmana, a Vaisha working as a Kshatriya, and so forth. By the way, we do not use the words Brahman, Satriya, Vaisha, or Shudra anywhere in the book. <laughs> we do use uh, Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas, uh-huh. and we do use uh, Sri and Virya and Aishwarya, and we use those Sanskrit words. Uh, we call, instead of saying Brahmana, Satriya, Vaisha, Shudra, we say the field of ideas, the field of government the field of resources, and the field of artistry. Then we have a chapter on nourishing our nature, to what, how is nature inborn and to what extent is it nourished and how we can nourish it. Then instead of calling Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas modes of nature, we call them shades of ego. Hmm. And we discuss how each of the shades of ego, Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas are particular stumbling blocks in certain fields. Then we talk briefly about Dharma, Artakama, Moksha. So then we, after establishing this relationship between nature and livelihood, then in part two, we look at other principles of career Dharma. So this is where we're looking at the art of work for individuals how our work should be honest in every sense of the word honest, how it should provide real value. And uh, we have a chapter two here in part two, I think is also uh, really special, how only in bhakti can something have genuine value. Now we have a lot of testimonies here. I just noticed testimony, investment banker. Yeah, we have quite a few testimonies of people in different fields and how they're applying career dharma in their field. Hmm. Um, Then we have a whole section of the principle of charity. Then sacred ceremony is basically about yagya, how to to engage in regular yagya, then how to cherish our sources of wealth, how to be protectors of our sources of wealth, and how to protect our field, how to keep the Brahminical field pure, the Shudra field pure. The chapter 14 is about Bhagavad Gita 330, no egoism, no lethargy. And Bhagavad Gita 330 basically gives you three positives and three negatives for career dharma. Uh, Then we look at, again, we turn to uh, the shades of ego in the workplace. And then chapter 18 is the only one where we look at ashram. So it's fields of work in the life cycle. So there we look, uh, we, we're calling ashram the life cycle, and we're looking at the relationship of career to where one is in life. Then part three is very interesting here. We're looking at uh, Varna Dharma in terms of the whole society. So up to here, we've looked at it just in terms of individuals, finding your natural work and the principles of career Dharma for individuals. And in part three, we're looking at how would, what would a society look like? You know, how do the systems work? Where, how there's competition within the field, cooperation between the field. The testimony here is amazing. 
The testimony here is of a, a young man who was born in the Hare Krishna movement and works as a Kshatriya. So we also have then checks and balances across the fields. And then this uh, sustainable prosperity, a mathematical eco-sociology approach and vision for a whole society is really looking at how, if, if we had proper career dharma in the world, what would the world look like? And how could we practically Institute it. Now, this case study of a mathematical eco sociology approach is dealing specifically with cow protection. Mm -hmm. There's a question in the chat from Kavi Chandra Madhaji why you don't like the word Varna? <laughs> um, because it's very much associated with the word caste. And we did not want people to come into the book with a pejorative understanding, which is also why we did not use the words Brahmin, Satriya, Vaishya, Shudra. People already have strong emotional reactions to those words, and we wanted to have a fresh start. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as a devil's advocate, someone might say, well, you know, you're uh, carefully avoiding the word, <clears throat> and all those words that you mentioned, but it's, it's so obvious that that's what you're talking about, so why not at least mention that somewhere, that we're, gonna, we're, we're not using these words, here are the words from the tradition, uh, don't confuse these with caste, it's something else and then move on from there and use your own vocabulary? Uh, well, the vast majority of human beings are not very adept at being detached from their emotional triggers just from logic and philosophy. It doesn't work. <laughs> we also um, we have a tremendous amount of references to the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam, where certainly people will encounter those traditional Sanskrit words. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some cases, as I said, like with the gunas, we don't use the words goodness, passion, ignorance. We use sattva, rajas, and tamas. Mm -hmm. Or with the six opulences, we don't use beauty, strength, wealth. We use the Sanskrit terms only. Uh, we feel those are terms that people are not going to have so much of an emotional reaction to. And we have defined those terms in depth. And we would prefer to use the term rather than the original Sanskrit term rather than in one word English definition. Mm -hmm. And we also are hoping, I mean, I don't know whether or not it will happen, but we're hoping that the book has an audience way beyond practicing devotees. People who ha who who well who won't just say oh I know what that is, <laughs> but sometimes using new terminology is very helpful to give people a clean emotional slate. Mm. Yes, um, yes. Dira Lalita wants to express her gratitude to you for teaching Nectar of Devotion, Chapter Fifteen in the manner 
some years ago. Um, okay. Um, this is definitely not enough time for the subject, but I heard an interview you gave um, with, um, what's his name? The Late Morning Podcast, whatever it's called, mm. uh, where you were discussing women and Varna. So mm. could you say in a nutshell? Oh, that was, that was Chaitanya Charan's. Oh, that um, was Chaitanya Charan. Yes, that was his yes. podcast, the Monk's Podcast. Could yeah. you say in a nutshell your <clears throat> essential point in that regard uh, that indeed women have Varna and uh, yeah, also that's ashram? That's it. That's it. <laughs> you just said it. <laughs> because some the people think point that, is that women, women don't have Varna have. and ashram. Yes. Yeah, we're just kind of blobs, you know. We're just kind of like... Whoa. <laughs> We just we, uh, have, we just cook and clean, huh? which would make every woman on the planet just a domestic servant. Right. <laughs> um, we know that women have varna if we just look around the world with open eyes, but we also know that women have varna from the shastra. There's a tremendous amount of attention paid in the shastra to having equality of varna between a man and woman who marry. Mm -hmm. uh, it's considered extremely important. So clearly women have Varna. The other point that I made is uh, has to do with history and how the Industrial Revolution forced women yeah. to choose between their family and their career. Yeah. Whereas previous to the Industrial Revolution, women could have both family and career because careers were home-based generally for both men and women. Yeah. There were extended families, there were servants. Uh, the nature of a career was very different. And that industrialization, by taking career out of the home, forced women to stay home without having a career. Then, uh, when birth control and abortion became available, women no longer had to stay home and give up having a career because they didn't have so many children. Mm -hmm. And therefore, women started to choose career over home. And that has uh, been one of the main reasons why we have our current situation in terms of marriage and family in the world. So there are people who would like to return to what was existent in, say, 1920 or 1930, where women basically didn't have career and had to stay home uh, but really what we should return to, and this is why I see Srila Prabhupada often talking about simple living along with Varnashram, but what we really should return to is home-based career. Home-based career, extended family, and a re-energizing -ener of a servant class. Mm. So that's really what we should return to. And I don't think we're going to return to a pre-industrialized society exactly. Uh, but using industrialization, using our communication revolution and so forth uh, to have a home-based career. And a good example of this is my own daughter and my own granddaughter who, who do that. Mm -hmm. uh, my granddaughter is, what is she, 23, I think. And uh, she's a graphic designer, 
In fact, she designed the cover for the career Dharma book. Mm-hmm. She also has two young children at home. And she definitely cooks and cleans and does laundry. And she also has her career. She has help from extended family. She doesn't have servants, which would help a lot if there was a, a, an affordable servant class in Western countries. <laughs> well, that's the big, you know, in India, yeah. all but the poorest people have servants. Yeah. And it's very, you know, for those who don't have being servants as their career, it's a lot easier to have a career. I have a friend in Bahrain who's, a, you know, she has children, she has a husband, she takes care of her house, but she has servants. Mm-hmm. And because she has servants, uh, she doesn't have much extended family there, but because she has servants, she can have a home-based career. Mm-hmm. She uh, has a career in natural textiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's amazing what she does. Mm. So that's brief summary of a two and a half hour. Yeah, that's a big podcast. subject. Thank you. I see that Divyambara wants to oh, how are you visit us. Divyambara? And she definitely has a career. <laughs> I have been. I have been there myself. <laughs> Hare Krishna, Urmil Prabhu. It's so nice to see you. Long time. <laughs> nice to see you too. Thank you so much. I'm about to teach a cooking class for our uh, culinary training. And um, I teach from home, so that's why I'm dressed like this. But um, And I wanted to thank you because I still practice or try to practice the seven laws of the learner that I've learned from you many oh. years ago. <laughs> wow. So, wow. Thank you. I can, you can apply them to anything, teaching anything practically. So I first I wanted to appreciate because you've always inspired me as being fearless, especially fearless to speak up. Um, you don't tolerate nonsense and you you speak up for it. And that's why you are an agent of change. You've created so many positive changes, not just in people, but also in our society. So thank you so much for that. And I know that you haven't had an easy life and you've met a lot of resistance in your life as well, especially the resistance to change. So especially being a woman who is so intelligent and so capable um, and truth coming from you uh, can be very challenging for some people to hear. So I wanted to ask you, and this is a very personal question for me also is how do you how do you how do you de- deal with this resistance to change like internally and and maybe so do you wait sometimes or how do you deal with the resistance to change my co-author on the career dharma book rukmini likes to say that Krishna is the time being. I don't know how well that translates. The time being. It's a little play on English words. How do I deal with the resistance to change? Sometimes with extreme frustration. (laughs) And, And I've had some very emotional exchanges with the Lord on when I have been very frustrated. I know that it's challenging for people to hear truth from a woman. And so 
very often I will hide behind men and they will present things in their name that are actually mine. So uh, there is much that I've been involved with in ISKCON that you will never know that I had anything to do with. And I like it that way. Uh, Conspiracy, conspiracy. Oh, I like it that way. (laughs) I I very much like the idea that something, some change goes through that I had something to do with and only two or three people in God know that I had anything to do with it. And I, I enjoy that. Uh, The main way, and it's been a progression. I think when I was younger, I was a lot more frustrated. I took a lot of things much more personally and had dealt a lot more with unforgiveness and anger and bitterness, mostly because I didn't have anybody to help and guide me as to how to go a different way. And over the years, I am learning, I'm not going to say I've learned, that would be very arrogant, but I am learning that Krishna's in control, I'm not in control. This is Lord Chaitanya's movement. Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda, Adwaitacharya, they are the generals. And they have their great commanders like Srila Prabhupada. And I'm hardly even a foot soldier. You know, I, I really feel like I'm in the background. It's, it's like I'm, I'm manufacturing the weapons or cooking the food for the soldiers. I'm not even a soldier. And I am learning to trust that uh, Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda Adoritacharya They're running the show and they know what they're doing and that they have a plan. And when I see this or that, or I do my little part in the plan, I I leave it to them. I do my part and then I leave it to them. It's, I'm not running the show. I have a responsibility to do my part. I have a responsibility to say things and I have a particular nature, so I'm, I have a responsibility to do my part according to my nature, which will primarily be in the form of speaking and writing. And then I'll let it go. And it's up to them and how they use it and how they manifest it. And everything properly will manifest in time. Sometimes it's just not the right time. I mean, we had a one-year delay in publishing our career Dharma book because of a technical snafu. And we've had a one year delay in the publishing of another book, how to meditate on Krishna in the world because of all kinds of things that had nothing to do with me. And so Krishna knows the perfect time. He knows the perfect way, you know, to trust and to trust that nobody can interfere with that, that, people who opposed whatever that they're they're not in control any more than I am and that I, I don't they're not my enemies and they're not it's it's not like that but sometimes I do get frustrated and I have very heated talks with the Lord about the whole situation that is true <laughs> sometimes we should, sometimes we should approach but I mean that that does happen sometimes <laughs> what's going on you know that 
<laughs> that that happens. And sometimes I think that Krishna arranges that just so that I'll deal with him emotionally <laughs> because Krishna doesn't like mechanical worship. And so if I'm just doing, you know, okay, he's like, where's the feeling, Ramila? And so he gets me, you know, he'll give me something to have some feeling about. So I can go to him and say, oh, you know, it's also like, <laughs> Does nice. that answer your question? Yes, very much so. Please come stay with us when you come to New York City. Love uh, to well, I've been to New York once since COVID started. I came for the Rathiatra. So, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's quite an invitation to stay with you. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, I will say thank you to Shimati Urmila Devi Dasi Sadvi and Prabhvi. I like the word Prabhvi, actually. Um, it's hard to say. Prabhvi. Anyway, uh, technically it can also be Prabhu for, fe for feminine, in the feminine form. Whatever. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing as you have. Um, and maybe all of you in a cacophony can turn on your microphones and express your gratitude. And I will say to all of you, thank you so much for coming together. And we'll see you again next uh, Saturday at the same time. And... Um, it will be leading into Nityananda Triodashi, so we might. This week, I suggest uh, you could read, if you're wondering what to read, read Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Lila, uh, Chapter 5, uh, to get into the mood for Nityananda Triodashi. Okay, so... Um, Thank you all. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Anantagoti Vaishnavarinda ki jai. Jai. Thank you. And Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Będę w stanie kiedyś wrócić do tych e, rzeczy, o których Mataji mówiła, które wydają się być ważne. A, do usłyszenia za tydzień. O, Prima Gopi! Hare Krishna! My obeisances. Wonderful to hear from you. Oh, so nice to see you. Recording.